God is good, and all the time. Well, weren't, didn't you just feel the presence of God here this morning? Has God changed your life? Has God changed your life? And if He hasn't changed your life, Lorelai says, Amen. If He hasn't changed your life, can I tell you He wants to? He wants to change your life right now in this very moment. And uh, so I want to invite you to turn to John, all right? John chapter 1. We've been talking about joining the story. We've been talking about this idea for a few weeks about more from the perspective of, of globally, like we want to send missionaries or around the world, or maybe God might call some of you as a missionary to go around the world. And last week, we kind of transitioned from thinking about outside the world or outside our community into our own community. Maybe that for you would be your neighborhood. Uh, For you, maybe that is the school you attend or your workplace or maybe whatever hobbies you're involved in and and relationships through that. And, And so we think about this question that we asked last week and really the statement first was we said the gospel came to you on the way to someone else. That it was never intended to just stop with you. That we are followers of Jesus are supposed to make other followers of Jesus. That's why we say our goal here as a church is to lead people to find and follow Jesus. And, and the gospel oftentimes has stuck with us. And so we asked this question last week. The question was, if God answered every prayer you prayed yesterday, would it even impact eternity today because I think you're probably a lot like me that sometimes you're not thinking about eternity you're thinking about today or the bills that are coming tomorrow or the job responsibilities that you got to get to work early for tomorrow do you realize that every person you see look, look around the room there's some Interesting. No, just look around the room and there's people. You, do you realize every person you ever look at is an eternal being? They're going to live forever. Do, do you realize that? I think sometimes we think about, well, I'm going I'm to have eternal life, but the, the truth is everyone is, is going to live for eternity. And you're going to either live in a place of torment for all of eternity trying to pay the penalty of your sins that will never be paid. Or you're going to spend an eternity in the presence of Jesus because you let him pay the penalty of your sins. Isn't that a cool thought? Which means that when you sit down at that restaurant today, the person that waits on you They are an eternal soul. That person will spend an eternity in one of those two places. And the emotion that we just experienced as we worship together in song, the emotion that you just felt when I described the two places we're going to spend eternity, for those of you who have made a decision to follow Jesus, it was a great emotion, wasn't it? Yes, I'm going to spend eternity in the presence of the person who died for me. 
Do you know that most of the people you meet don't know that emotion? They don't have that peace? We're going to look at a couple of different passages of Scripture today, and there's really four different interactions, four people in the story. And it seems like from these two texts that there's a natural progression. Now, as we walk through it, I want you to think about this progression because it seems like, and, and you know, I have a limited perspective, and, and the truth is I'm not really that smart, but maybe, maybe you'll see the same pattern. It seems like the pattern goes like this. People meet Jesus, they become a follower of Jesus, and then they invite people to follow that same Jesus. Are you tracking with me? So they, they are introduced to Jesus. They become a follower of Jesus. And then they introduce someone else to Jesus. That's the pattern I see. I don't see a lot of training in between. It almost seems like from these two texts that immediately this is a progression that is just natural. That when I meet Jesus, I place my faith in Jesus. Then I want to find someone else to introduce them to that Jesus. So let's look in John chapter 1. The first part of this chapter in John chapter 1, we, are, we, we understand, we realize we're, we're taught by reading the Word that Jesus is the Word. He's the one who became flesh and dwelt among us. He's the Creator God. And He came to the earth to redeem us to God. He was the sinless sacrifice, as Dave talked about earlier. He's the one that, that we sing about, that became, was born in the manger in the dirt and hung on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and three days later came back to life. And aren't you glad that Jesus came back to life? That's why we celebrate. That's why we're here. And if you remember a few months back, we talked about uh, these parents, they were old, and they weren't parents, they wanted to be parents, and they were praying, and the angel of the Lord came to him and said, you're going to give birth to a boy, he's going to name, you're going to name him John, and, and he's going to be the forerunner of Jesus. His purpose in life was going to be to point people to Jesus. Here's the Messiah, the Messiah has showed up. And John, in the first part of the chapter, we read that he's, he's preaching, he's preaching the message of repentance, and then one day, Jesus shows up, and John says to the people, the crowds, the followers of John, he's, got, he's gathered a discipleship group, right? He's gathered disciples, and they're following him. They're following his teaching. Jesus shows up, and John says, whoa, look. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's fulfilling his purpose to point people to the Messiah. And what we're going to pick up this morning is the very next day. Look at verse number 35. John chapter 1, verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. I told you, John has a following. That's the goal of teaching. He's, he's wanting to teach people, preaching repentance, and so he has two disciples that mentions here. And looking at Jesus as he walked... Here's what John said. The same thing he said the day before. Behold the Lamb of God. He's fulfilling his purpose. He's introducing his two disciples to Jesus. The two disciples happen to be John and Andrew. 
Look at verse 37. What happens when John introduces John and Andrew to Jesus? It says the two disciples heard him speak, and they did what? What does it say? What did they do? They followed Jesus. John simply introduces them to this man named Jesus. And John and Andrew follow him. Let's skip down to verse 40. Let's, excuse me, 39. Jesus said to them, come and see. You, you might highlight those two words, or three words, because they're going to show up a little bit in this text. So they talk to Jesus. He says, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two heard John speak, and follow, one of the two who heard John speak followed him was Andrew. All right? So now we get the, the, the name of one of them. The other one is John. We just don't really find that in this text. But one of them was Andrew, and he was, Andrew was Simon Peter's brother. Verse 41, he first found his own brother Simon, this is Peter, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. Do you see what, you see what he's doing here? He meets Jesus, he decides to follow Jesus, and immediately he goes to his family member and says, I've got to introduce you to someone. Jesus, the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, Verse, the next verse, and he brought him to Jesus. Do you know this moment that Andrew went to his brother Peter and said, we have found the Messiah. Let me take you to him. Changed everything for Peter, didn't it? And I think for a moment here, this question this thought, this statement in the text, he brought him to Jesus. I think it begs the question for us who are followers of Jesus, who have you brought to Jesus? Who will be in heaven because you told your story? Let's keep reading. He brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. So he's, he's already had a, he already knows Philip. They've already had interaction. And he said to Philip, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael. And said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, What's the three words? Come and see. And he brought him to Jesus. Does it seem so far we've heard of John introduces people to Jesus and the very next day, hey, there's that Jesus, there's the Messiah, the behold the Lamb of God, and immediately Andrew follows. And then what does Andrew do? Goes and gets his brother. I've got to introduce you to this guy named Jesus. He becomes a follower. And then Jesus finds Philip and says, follow me. And Philip follows him, and Philip immediately goes to his friend, Nathaniel, and says, you've got to meet Jesus. And it's interesting that this is, this is one of the biggest fears of why we don't tell our story. 
We're afraid of what people are, how people are going to respond. And Nathaniel gives a little bit of pushback. Jesus of Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? And what did he tell him? Well, come and see. Let, let, let me introduce you to Jesus. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Here's an interesting thought. That friend that you want to introduce into Jesus, Jesus already knows your friend. He's already working. Did you see what Jesus said? Before Philip ever talked to you, I already saw you. Is it possible that the person you're thinking about, praying for, is it possible that God's already working in their life? Maybe it'll take a little fear out of it. Let's keep reading. Verse 49, Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. In other words, Nathanael, he believed. He became a follower of Jesus. It took one invite for someone to meet Jesus, and they believed. I think of the story we just listened to from Mindy, and their, their babysitter invited her to church. And now, that family has changed. Their eternity is sealed. Just because someone invited them to church. Do you know next week is the greatest opportunity for us to invite someone to church? To, that next Sunday is the most plausible time that anyone's going to come to church. Maybe they're just waiting on you to invite. In fact, I've heard of several people this week that have had conversations where they invited someone to church and they said, oh, it is Easter. I always go on Easter and Christmas. Who knows what would happen if you invite someone to church? Invite someone to meet Jesus. I want you to turn to just a couple pages, John chapter 4. John chapter 4, Jesus and the disciples have been on a journey. Jesus is tired. It says in the text in verse number 4, Jesus needed needed to go through Samaria, which is just to give us a hint that God was orchestrating these things, and this is where he was supposed to be at this time because he was going to meet somebody. And so they're on this journey, and in verse number 5, so Jesus came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sakaar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour or around noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. We won't take a lot of time to unpack that, but there was just this racial divide here between the Jews and the Samaritans. And there was definitely culturally, a Jew is not going to speak to a Samaritan, and definitely a man is not going to approach a woman. And Jesus breaks both of those barriers, doesn't he? 
Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than the father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from himself as well as his son and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into what? Say it. Everlasting life. We talked about this, didn't we? We are eternal beings. And if we give our life to Christ, the living water, we will have eternal life in the presence of the Lord. And and Jesus is revealing this to this lady. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to her, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you Jews said that in Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is... What's the next word? The Father is what? Seeking. Here's some great news for those of you. There's probably people in the room that you've never... You don't know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And simply what it means is that you're going to place your faith for eternity, the forgiveness of your sins, in the work and in the person of Jesus Christ. That you're going to acknowledge that I can't be good enough to get to heaven. And that I need Jesus to forgive me my sins. I need Jesus. And here's, the great, here's what we see in the scripture is that God is seeking you. And the fact that you are listening in this moment... I want you to understand God loves you, God pursues you, God died for you, God is seeking you. You heard the story when Jeannie said, now I knew and I believe that Jesus died for the world, but it completely changed my perspective when I realized Jesus didn't just die for the world, he died for, he died for me. God is seeking to save the lost. Jesus says, my Father is seeking such to worship. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, and who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And so he, she is anticipating. She's, the Messiah is coming. I believe that. I believe, the, I believe God is seeking I believe God wants to rescue us. I believe God wants to redeem us. And then Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am 
the Messiah. Imagine what she was thinking at the well that moment. Wow. This man knows all about my past. He's a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. He's male. I'm female. And he's seeking me. He loves me. Verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came. I feel like they ruined the moment, actually. But, and they marveled that he would talk with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? And the disciples show up, and she's just heard that this man is the Messiah. And what is she going to do? What's, what's the pattern we seem to see here? I meet Jesus, I believe in Jesus, and I'm going to go do what? I'm going to go get some people to introduce them to Jesus. And what does she do? The woman then left her water pot. I think that means she was in a hurry. She went her way into the city, and she said to the men, Come see. Come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Christ? Then they went out in the city and came to him. I want you to skip down to verse number 39. And many, many of the Samaritans of the city believed in Jesus. Many believed in Jesus. What is the next word? Because... Because of the word of the Samaritan woman who testified. And I wonder about this pattern. Do, do you guys see the pattern? Raise your hand if you see the pattern. Okay, so I'm not the only one here, right? They met Jesus. They become a follower of Jesus. And what do they immediately do? They introduce people to Jesus. One found a relative, one found a friend, and the lady went to the entire city. The city who knew the reputation of this woman. And I think about us in the room today those of you watching online who are a follower of Jesus, who have you brought to Jesus? Who have you introduced to Jesus? We, we talk about everything but Jesus. And it seems that the natural thing to do in these stories it seems like the natural response when I believe in Jesus is that it changes my life drastically. How many of you would testify, God changed my life drastically when I gave my life to Christ? He changed your life drastically. Whether you were all into whatever, He gave you eternal life. That's what He gave you. He changed your life drastically. Do you remember the moment you gave your life to Christ? 
It's been almost 30 years ago that I finally gave my life to Christ. This past weekend was the first time in in 30 years, so it'll, it'll be 30 years in June. It was the first time in 30 years that I went back to the place that I gave my life to Christ. Do you guys have a moment that you gave your life to Christ? And we just testified, God changed my life. Do you believe that if you give your life to Christ, you're going to spend eternity in a place called heaven? Can you say amen a little louder than that? Do you believe that if people don't give their life to Christ, they're going to spend a place... Eternity in a place called hell. And again, the question kind of rings in our head. Who have you introduced to Jesus? If he really changed my life, When I eat a good burger, I tell somebody about it. When I watch a good movie, I tell somebody about it. And I wonder if there is such a thing as a silent follower of Jesus. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. I'm going to invite the the worship team to come back up this morning as we are, are close to the end. But I want to point out a couple of verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I told you last week, I believe, I believe Paul was the greatest missionary. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I think God used him in ways that I would, you know, could only dream about. I mean, this is a guy. But remember last week, and he stood before King Agrippa and the governors and all the crowd, and he told this story. Remember? This, I, in fact, he said, before I met Jesus, I was killing people who believed in Jesus. God... Uh, introduced himself to me and completely changed my life. And now I want to do everything to tell people about Jesus. That's why I'm in prison. That's what Paul said. Paul gives this great story and the great testimony of life transformation. He tells the story. And what does the king say? Almost you persuade me to be a Christian. Almost I believe in Jesus. You see, it wasn't Paul's responsibility to make the king make a decision. It was Paul's responsibility to simply tell his story. It's the power of the cross that changes people. It's the Holy Spirit that leads people to salvation. But it's our responsibility to invite people to come and see, to tell our story. In fact, listen to the words of Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And I, brethren, and so he's writing back to the church, the church at Corinth. These people are followers of Jesus now because he introduced them to Jesus. He said, I came to you not with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Paul, the greatest missionary. And he says, I, I didn't come here with this great speech. And he, he continues, Verse 2, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you, look what he says, in weakness 
what's the next word? In, in fear. Whoa, hold on a second. This is Paul. Is Paul saying that he was fearful to share his story? That's what he says. He says fear and then, what's the next word? He kind of doubles down on this. Fear and trembling. That doesn't make sense to me. Paul, you're the greatest missionary. You're standing before the King Agrippa. You're in chains and, and you're saying that you were fearful to tell your story. Here's what I'm going to assume this morning, that all of us to some degree have a little bit of fear about telling our story. So did Paul. Let's keep reading. In fear and trembling and in my speech, my preaching, it was not with persuasive words of human wisdom. I wasn't even very good, he says, but in the demonstration of the spirit and the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. It's your responsibility, follower of Jesus, just to introduce people to Jesus, to tell your story. I was lost and now I'm found. I was far from God. I gave my life to God and he has brought me near. I was an alien and a stranger but God made me a citizen and he adopted me into his family. If God completely, radically changed your life, then why, Christians, are we silent? If we truly believe that eternity hangs in the balance for every person we meet, who have you brought to Jesus? God wants to use you. But you got to tell someone. That's the pattern. I meet Jesus. I become a follower of Jesus. And then I lead people to find and follow that same Jesus. I'm going to ask you this morning, if God has spoken to you, would you get up right where you're at right now and just come down and pray right now? God, give me a, a burden. Give me a desire. Give me, uh, Paul said in Colossians chapter four and verse three, he said, pray that God would give me a door of opportunity. Give me an opportunity to tell someone the gospel. If God has burdened you this morning to share your story, would you come down right now? Just come down and pray. If you have a burden to see someone get saved, come and pray. Maybe this morning you need to just come down and say, God, Give me a burden for someone who's lost. Give me someone in my neighborhood that doesn't know Jesus. Give me someone at work that I can pray for and invite and introduce to Jesus.